Eve. And now I want to introduce to you our guest speaker, Dr. Lynn Westman, if you would come and join us. We are so blessed to have you with us today. I know that she is not a new face to most of you here in the house with us this morning. Dr. Lynn Westman has spoken into mine and Ken's life personally in ways that we could never, ever repay. We could never write a check for what she's qualified for speaking into our lives and shaping us um, that would give back to her. But in addition to that, she leaves this house and travels to the nations taking mental health and trauma training and teaching to many, many nations. It's such a needed thing, you guys. But she, you know, she doesn't just teach an academic lesson. Lynn carries the anointing and the presence of the Lord into every place she goes, and lives are transformed. Ministries are transformed. Nations, governments, leaders are transformed by what you do. Lynn, we thank you. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom of God. And she has an awesome message. I already listened to it in the 8 a.m. You're going to enjoy it. So Dr. Lynn Westman, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. I always love being home. So the message today is on the power of the resurrection. And this is a familiar uh, scripture that I'm going to be sharing from. Well, I have several scriptures, but not as many as usual. I'm trying to cut back on all that and tell more stories. Daniel says thank you. (laughs) So actually, there's just a few slides this time. Philippians 3, 7 through 14. And this is a very personal scripture for me, and you hear some of that today. We could read this one together. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, and I would add, and not of works. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Those go together. The power of the resurrection and participation in the sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for that word. I just pray, Lord, that as I share today that I have the mind of Christ and the heart of Jesus and that you would touch people in this room today. So under this power of the resurrections, one of the topics of that is freedom. And I said in the earlier service, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Braveheart. 
but we saw it in our missionary training in 1996, and I, uh, it was a little difficult to watch. I'm get, getting better at watching some of those things. <laughs> um, but, but as the hero of the story who was passionate about protecting his country, as he was being drawn and quartered, he sees his bride passing by, which empowers him, stirs that passion within him, to give his all, to sacrifice his life for the love of his life, which is what Jesus has done by dying on the cross and the power of the re resurrection because we are his bride. He's done it for freedom. And on that table, he screams, freedom! And that's what he's come for. So um, just going to Revelation 12 a little bit, we, we know in the scriptures that Satan and the angels that followed him were cast out of heaven. In, in the NIV, it says they were hurled out, hurled out of heaven. They weren't strong enough to win the battle. And he now accuses the saints day and night. He has a fury to destroy the church. But his power is so small compared to the power of Jesus. So in Isaiah 26, it says, Lord, you established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Lord, our God, other lords, Amplified says, taskmasters. Other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. They are now dead, their spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped out all memory of them. You have enlarged the nation, Lord. You have enlarged the nation. You've gained glory for yourself. You have extended all the borders of the land. So that's what Jesus is in the business of. He is in the business of destroying the power of the enemy and enlarging the land for the saints and for us to enlarge that border with him. So also in Revelation, it says that we triumph by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives to the death. So often in messages you hear, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Some people kind of move away from that last one, not loving my life to the death. But, but really, it, it's a part of it. <laughs> because ultimately, we want to be dead. We want to be dead to self. <laughs> we want to be dead to this world. And we are alive in Jesus. And so that part of it is not something we can skip over. There is suffering in this world. But in John 16, 33, he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. I have conquered it for you. So that's his message to us. So um, if we could go on to this next slide that I have. Next slide, please. Somebody there? Thank you. Okay, so I just came back from Liberia and um, about a week ago. And... Um, I've been in Liberia many, many times. Some of you know I have an informally adopted son who was a warlord who's now an evangelist. And he, uh, so that's been 14 years that he's been my 
my informally adopted son. That's not a, uh, a typical thing people do, bring an ex-warlord into their family, walk through Truth and Re Reconciliation Commission with him and all of the things that had happened. And a byline to that is there was just a decision made that those Truth and Reconciliation Commission decisions that were made in 2009, I believe it might have been 2010, everyone was recommended for war crimes court except for him because of what he had done, because he had turned his life around, and because he had spent all these years trying to rebuild the nation. Um, some people were trying to overturn that decision, but just recently they made a decision that those, what was decided in that at TRC will stand. So um, that is finally over for him. He is the only one who was recommended for amnesty. So um, in the meantime, though, this is Sinai County, uh, Sino County, which is in, far in the interior in Liberia. You can't really get there by road, especially in the rainy season, which it still happened to be when we went. I worked with the government to be able to go there, though, because I've been working there so long. They know me. They also know he's my son. They know he's from Sino, and they know I wanted to go there. So they helped me to arrange it, so our last training was in Sino County. So we took an MAF flight and our team did the training there in Sino. And Joshua, which is his name, wasn't able to get there because of the roads, and he also um, has a bad back. So this little town has very few services. They have one keke, which is, I don't know what else you call those, um, but it's a little motorized vehicle that a few people can sit in. They only have one in that entire uh, capital of that county, and they have motorcycles. That's basically it. Well, we can't in Mercy Ships, we can't ride motorcycles as team members. So there's the Keke, which we couldn't find, and there was the county health officer's car. And he was so generous, and he loaned us that car to use for the time we were there. Later, I learned that he was a childhood friend of my adopted son, Joshua. And he didn't know that when he lent it. He was just a very generous man. But since Joshua wasn't coming, it looked like I wouldn't get to go to see the area where he was from because it was at least a four-hour drive over very hard roads and all kinds of potholes and just a really messy and difficult road. But the county health officer gave me the car for the day, and I usually am not stopped. And so I had a car, and I had a driver, and we went there, and we got to meet these people. And in uh, the man who's to the right of me with the gray hair, he is the pastor in the area. The Paramount Chief is not in the picture, but he's in the group with us. And before 2012, that, that whole area was animistic. It was a traditional culture, witchcraft, sorcery, and, and it was not evangelized. Um, Joshua, because he had also been high priest for his tribe, he, the high priest is often killed. If, uh, I mean, when they die, they get a new high priest. Well, because he became a Christian, instead of dying, they couldn't put in a new high priest. Well, the whole tribe was not very happy because now they have no person who's over them to for them to go and to worship and to pray to and to try to get all of their needs met. And so people were dying. So eventually, by 2012, they were asking him to come back. 
Before that, they were trying to kill him so they could get a new high priest, since he wasn't acting in the role that they needed. So um, I went to visit the people, and then with the next picture, if you could put that up. This is the rock, and this was the home, the seat of the deity, which was a very high demonic power called Nyabweowe. And this was the one that Joshua worshipped. And I have wanted to see this rock and see this area for a very long time. So I finally was able to get there. It was quite a walk into the jungle to be able to get to the rock. And um, as I was there, the pastor was with me. Uh, I had a couple other people with me, but nobody was praying or doing anything. But I was praying, and I was walking around this rock that the deity supposedly owned and saying everywhere I step is holy ground, that this, this is not enemy territory, this is the Lord's territory. And of course, Joshua has done that as well. But when I went back and I talked to Joshua about that, and I said, yes, I went to the rock and I prayed around it, and he said, yes, you could do that because the deity has lost his power because now there's Christians. And I said, if we know anything about demons and Satan, they still have power. They still have power on the earth. We haven't, we haven't finished that battle yet. So he had influence. He has less influence than he had before because now there are Christians who are there, but there are still many people who are going to hidden places and they have little places where they go in and they are worshiping him in those places. But I said to Joshua, I could not go there because he lost his power. I could go there because of the power that's in me. I said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And we do not have to be afraid to enter enemy's territory if we're doing it for a purpose and not just curiosity. When you're playing around just because you want an experience, that's not always so wise. But when you're going because you have a mission to accomplish, wherever you step, you are bringing the most high power that there is in the world and the most loving. So um, what happened is uh, after Joshua came in and many of them stepped over a line literally to become Christians, they said, if you want to serve my God, step over the line. So they stepped over. That was 2012. Um, but still, there's a lot going on there. So the power of the re resurrection is incredibly powerful. The blood is incredibly powerful. And it's all through Scripture that we need the blood. I've been um, studying a little bit on the word hyssop. And I don't know if you ever notice it in the Bible. But there are several places where it talks about hyssop. And the first time was with the Passover, as the Israelites were going to, they were in the exodus from Egypt and, and planning to enter the promised land. They were told by Moses to put blood over the door and on the side posts to cover the house with blood, the blood of the lamb. And if they did, the firstborn would be protected. And so they did that. And that was the first time that it mentioned hyssop. But um, the destroyer was not able to come in because of the blood. Blood is a covering. 
So the lamb's blood was symbolic of Jesus, and he is the one who takes away the sin of the world. Numbers in Leviticus, they also use hyssop, and they're talking about their, um, the cleansing of the house from mold. It's also talking about cleansing from leprosy and other skin diseases. So hyssop is actually very medicinal. So it was a, a, a brush that they could use. They used it for painting houses, but they also used it for this dipping in blood and sprinkling on people for cleansing. They also used it to consecrate the temple when they got to the wilderness. It was also used for spiritual cleansing. So when you think of David in Psalm 51, after his sin with Bathsheba, his, what it says in Psalm 51, 7 through 10, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and that of my iniquity. Lord, hide your face from that. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's just beautiful, spiritual cleansing. And he talks about hyssop. So it's a symbolic way of taking, using something natural to recreate it in the natural that's in the, from something invisible. In Acts 13, um, it says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Everyone, every sin. Just remember that point. And in John 8, 36, it says, He whom the Son sets free is what? Is free indeed. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it is his blood that sets us free. In Acts, um, also in Hebrews, he says, um, The law requires nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without blood, there's no forgiveness. And, but he also says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So I want to take that part too because that, um, Psalm 103 also says that. He will remember no more. Our, our sins are as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hold on to those things. Somebody said to me uh, earlier today before the services, sometimes people go back 10, 20 years and remind you of things that you did. And um, it was a female. And then the, uh, I, said, I said to the male, well, sometimes men do that too. <laughs> so people do those things, but Jesus doesn't. When Jesus says, I will remember them no more, Jesus remembers them no more because he is perfect in everything. Okay, Acts 10. And I love this scripture, and I don't know if you've thought about this this way. And this is one of my main points of what I'm trying to get across today and what I'm wanting to share with you. I'm going to read it. It's Acts 10, 9 through 17. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Some of you remember this story. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. 
he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, and as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Three men were looking for him. Peter denied Jesus three times, and then three times Jesus asked him if he loved him. Death on the cross to resurrection was three days. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. Esther fasted and prayed for three days. So there is a theme of three, but this message especially that I want you to get here from Acts was that he says, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. So that means anything, anybody, any sin, because he covers it all. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> In John 20, 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, we, I am pretty used to in the church, not this church, the church, the global church, hearing about forgiving others. I think if you've been in faith very long, you have heard that message over and over and over that we, can, we have to forgive. Sometimes it's a process because sometimes the wounds have been so deep, but we can always pray. And if I get someone who says, I can't forgive, I'll never forgive, what I say to them, will you pray that God will give you a desire to forgive? Which is a first step. That's something. They're taking a step. To be able to go, it's go time. We've got to be taking steps. In our imperfections, we're taking steps. So, but it says if you forgive any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain any, they are retained. So now I want you to think about yourself because the message is about you now. You know to forgive other people. What about you? Have you forgiven yourself? What, what do you still hide? What do you still hold on to that you think it can't be forgiven or people won't accept you if they know? Where are you in that process? Because all of us have done things where we need to forgive ourselves. Because if we're not perfect in everything, we're also not perfect in anything. So that means there is something somewhere, sometime, that you might have done that you want to forgive yourself for. So he says, if you retain anything, it is retained. That's not just other people, that's you too. Francis de Salle is a priest and author, and he wrote, and I love this, he's very poetic, but he says, Truly, by the watering of our Savior's blood, made with the hyssop of the cross, we have been restored to a white incomparably better than that possessed by the snows of innocence. 
His blood on the cross is so much more. It's more than enough, right? It's more than enough, more than our innocence because we will never be innocent. And in Isaiah 43, again, he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. And I love this. And he says, do you not perceive it? So he can say a lot of things, but if we don't perceive them, a lot of times in Scripture it says they have um, eyes to see and ears to hear, or they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. Do we perceive it? He's doing a new thing. Can we move in that direction for ourselves so we can take those next steps and we can move on to be in the go time position? In 1996, many of you know I went to missions that year. Some of you were still were in the church back in 1996, and so some of you may remember this, but I was divorced in 1996. And I said in the earlier service, because it's true, for a lot of people, the first thought is going to be, why is she divorced? Who did what? What did she do? What did he do? I'm not going to say. <laughs> Because, because he forgives everything <laughs> and everyone, and, and that's not the point. The, not, the point is not that we have wrong choices or we sin. That's not the point. The point is he is our covering, and nothing can stop progress in our lives if we don't allow it to. Because he always has a plan, and it's not a new plan. He already had the new plan because he knew what you were going to do. So the plan is already in place based on uh, what his purposes are and the things that we do in life. So you don't have to worry about him going, oh, no, what am I going to do with her now? He knows. He knows what he's going to do. So, um, but at that time, I was really struggling because I had had a period of time from about 20 to 40 where I was in and out of faith. Not really out of faith. I was just one of those Christians who wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know Bible. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, and I lived however I wanted to for about 20 years. And so, until I was 40, and then at 40, I was desperate, and I ran to Jesus, and that's 30 years ago more than 32 years ago, and I haven't turned back once from that because I know that I would either lose my mind or my life if I had not made that change. I knew that. And so I know what he can do. But at that time, I was in this dilemma. Some people in the church were not happy with what was happening and decisions being made and um, it was a very difficult time for me. How do you stay in the church in the midst of something that you're not supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, but thank God there were also many people in the church who supported me and stayed with me during that time. And so I was trying to reconcile how do I walk it. And one of the things the Holy Spirit said to me was, I will love you if you stay, and I will love you if you go. That is a covering. I will love you. Your future is not based on perfection, your perfection or his perfection or anything else that was involved. And so I read this scripture 
the Philippian scripture, and as soon as I read it, I said, the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. And so I decided to, to fast for three days. There's that three again. Three days I fasted, and on the Sunday night, so it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on Sunday night I was baptized yet again. So I was sprinkled. I was baptized three times <laughs> because in and out of life, in and out of not knowing if I'm good enough, in and out of trying to find my way, what can I do symbolically? What can I do in the natural for me to help me know that I'm okay? And so I was baptized again, and that was here at Lighthouse in the spring of 1996. Some of you would have been here for that. Next slide, please. I really love this. That same year, in 1996, I went on a mission trip to China, and we were with the underground church. And while we were there, the missionary who was working there gave us all a magnet, a refrigerator magnet. We, we bought them because it was helping to support his ministry. And it's ye, and it means righteousness. So don't you love that thousands of years ago, when the Chinese language came to be, the symbol for righteousness is that the, the top figure is a sheep, the bottom figure is I or me kneeling before the lamb. Isn't that incredible? In the Chinese language, they are not a Christian nation. And that is it. That is the covering. I or me kneeling before the lamb from this position of submission and knowing it is not us, knowing that his blood is enough can we go on? Can we make a difference in our world? He is our covering. Psalm 23, I just want to mention that too, because along with that, don't call unclean what I have called clean. In Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Going back to the rock, he prepared a table before me in the presence of Nyabweaway. I was able to be there because I have the table. I'm at the banqueting table of the Lord, and he has prepared it for me. You, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And that's very powerful. I remember one time praying for someone. Um, I, I was driving by a place that somebody worked. This was many years ago. And the Holy Spirit said, go in and see this person. And so I stopped and I went and she was in work and go in and see her. And, uh, and he said, read Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54 and pour the bottle of anointing oil on her head. Now she's at work. <laughs> Don't you just love it when God does those things? And you're going, is that, you know, well, I knew that wasn't my thought because I would never think to go into someone's work and take them out of work and pour a whole bottle of oil on their head. <laughs> but he said, do it. Well, it turned out she had breast cancer. And he even gave me an image. I saw the image of the cancer. And when I came back later, and she said, yes, pour the whole thing. And she's dripping with oil. And when I came back later, the cancer was gone. So we listen. We listen to those things, especially when we know it's not us. Because that wouldn't be something that would just pop in my head to do. 
So he anoints our head with oil. He anoints us with hyssop, which is cleansing, spiritual cleansing, healing power, the blood of Jesus. One of the things that happens, and I know early on when I was a Christian, people would tell me this, and I didn't have a clue what they meant. So maybe some of you won't know what this means either. But they said, you have to appropriate the blessing. And I'm going, how do you appropriate something? What does that mean, appropriate the blessing? Appropriate the blessing over fear. How do you do that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Where, where is he? How can I keep my eyes on him? I've got all these things in my head. But we have to appropriate the blessing. That means we receive it and we act on it. It's a reception. It's perceiving it, receiving it, and then doing something, taking some step, some step like I did with the baptism, even though it was the third time. It meant something to me, and it meant something to God because three months after that, I was in full-time missions for the next 26 years so far. So I want you to think about this for yourself. How long have you held on to some things? Some things maybe that you haven't forgiven yourself for. I'm not talking about other people today. You hear that enough. Yourself, what are you holding on to? Is there anything? Maybe you're not. Are there other things that are obstacles for you or stumbling blocks that you're holding on to, like shame. That was mentioned in the song this morning. Shame. We, give, we, we sing it. We give you our shame. <laughs> but do we give him our shame? It's a walking out, isn't it? But sometimes he speaks a word and it drops something and, and impacts in a major way. Our pain our sin, our disappointments. Here's a few. Self-sufficiency. He said that to me once years ago, that I was self-sufficient. We can't be self-sufficient. We will never make it self-sufficient. We have to do it with him and through him. Perfectionism. Does everything have to be just right all the time? And our possessions. We give up our possessions. They're not ours anyway. And when we die, where do they go? So I'd like you to think about that. And I just want to read the scripture again, the Philippians 3, 7 through 14. And if you would just close your eyes and just listen. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." The righteousness from God that comes from uh, is the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So just with your eyes closed for a moment, think about is there any of those things that I talked about, forgiving self, things you might be holding on to, shame, disappointment, any of those things that might be hindering you that you would like to be free from, recognizing that the blood of the Lamb, He covers us as we kneel before Him. As we put it over the lentils of our house, over our temple, our, our own temple, and we surround ourselves with the blood of Jesus, that power of the resurrection, the healing power from His body, is there anything that you would like to give to him?